It's 14 minutes now before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. We first take a look at the big stories in the marketplace. And joining me to do this is Bright Kumalo from Vestact Asset Management. Bulaz, good evening to you and welcome, my brother. Good evening, Ayabonga. Nice to be on your show again. Yeah, man, as always. Uh, Bulaz, let's maybe start off at the PIC. I mean, we, we've seen in the last while uh, sort of um, uh, the exodus of a, a few very seasoned and sort of veteran um, you know, governance professionals, if I can put it like that, the likes of Irene Shanley and many others um, from the PIC. And uh, PIC assuring everybody that um, all of, uh, I guess, the musical chairs happening there is not going to stop the implementation of the Mbati Commission recommendations. Well, you know, when there's an exodus of, you know, retirement, well, resignations in this case, uh, it, it does ring a lot of bells, like you say. Um, it just wonder what happened what's happening actually inside the company uh, which mm. in this case is the PIC and obviously whether there's a you know a bigger issue that maybe uh, its shareholders should know about and and yeah i mean i guess that that's the question um it seems something's happening in a corner somewhere and uh, very little i guess is being communicated i mean you guys are in the markets you you might interact with some of uh, you know, or might get wind of uh, some of the uh, rumors and everything else that's coming out of there. Well, what's out there in the rumor mill? What's, I mean, what is the suggestion here? Unfortunately, I know absolutely nothing here. I'm the wrong guy to ask because I just look at memes all day. <laughs> but, 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 Bulaz, I mean, let's just talk briefly, I guess, about the Party Commission's recommendations. Um, you know, uh, w- just by, by your reflection, I mean, some of the big recommendations there that still remain unfinished business for the PIC and I guess the, the crack team that um, was put in place there, I mean, to, uh, to replace the first board and, uh, you know, the leadership of Dan Machila and others. Um, where are they in terms of, I guess, you know, implementing some of those recommendations and really getting the PIC um, back on the mend? <laughs> Apparently, the, you know, there has not been any implementation of uh, the party commission, um, as, as you, you've uh, asked, unfortunately. So if there's nothing happening, it makes you wonder if uh, maybe the resignations are as a result of the fact that, uh, the, you know, the, the board wanted actually, you know, to implement some of these things. And obviously someone in there is not happy that that's happening. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I guess, uh, a story we're going to have to watch very closely. I mean, this is the largest investor. We're not talking just about some, you know, mom and dad pop shop, um, you know, in the world I, of asset I management. Break I mean, it up. It's a massive operation. Huh? No, I say break it up and let the individual municipalities run their small funds, unfortunately. I think that's the best case scenario here. And but, what about, way, the other people, more, but what about the other people uh, in Bulazi? Transparency in terms of, excuse me? And no, no, I'm just, I'm just asking, what, what about, I mean, the, the public service is rather diverse. So there are people who ordinarily would not be part of a municipal fund. I mean, I'm thinking of teachers and nurses, uh, uh, for one. Where would they go? There, there are options, right? So they could start their own umbrella fund, <clears throat> independent of, you know, the different municipalities. So the teachers' union would, you know, find, find a way to start their own fund and to administer their own pension. So... That that way it creates more jobs, more transparency, like I said, and we won't have these issues of, you know, corruptions and, you know, backhanded uh, deals to friends and family, et cetera, et cetera.
Okay, all right. No, I mean, that's certainly one I, I think, I hope Kuma's listening into this. That's certainly one we're going to have to uh, maybe pen down for a much longer conversation because I think, uh, Mbulaz, you're raising some interesting things there. Uh, do we need a very large monolithic, I guess, asset manager, you know, for all of uh, the UIFG, EPF and uh, compensation fund and everybody else? Uh, but let's shift away from that and uh, go to Harmony Gold. Uh, always a sad thing, I guess, to hear in the South African mining sector of a fatality. Uh, and this time around with the target uh, mine uh, by Harmony Gold all the way out in Valcom. Um, uh, what do you make of this, Mbulaz? I mean, in light of, I guess, all of the commitments to safety uh, that we've heard from the sector. Or maybe, let's do this. Take a quick spot break. When we come back, we'll uh, take a look at that fatality there at the target mine in Valcom. Seven minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned into Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. Is our wrap of the top business stories. And uh, before we went to the break, we're talking about uh, that uh, death at the uh, gold operations of the Target Mine, uh, which is owned by Harmony, uh, out in Valcom. Uh, and Bulaz, some of your thoughts on that? It is unfortunate that, you know, um, an employee, probably, uh, you know, a parent also lost his life. Um, following a seismic event, um, you know, this is at the, you know, target mine, like you were saying, in Valcom, in the Free State province. Uh, it's it's very unfortunate that is, this is happening. I mean, I personally have worked at a factory, and I know that, you know, sa- safety uh, or safety standards is something they take very seriously. Uh, they record every injury as, as small as, you know, like chipping your finger when you're trying to use a machinery uh, to obviously something as big as a fatality. But... You've, you've worked at a then, factory. Don't, don't, yeah. wait, wait, wait. We can't just move past. You worked at a factory, Mbulaz. <laughs> Where was this? I worked in a factory, uh, a spray drying factory in Potterstrom, basically uh, making cremora. Huh? <laughs> yes. That's not inside, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's on top. Okay, okay, all right, all right. Yeah. But please go ahead. Yeah, yeah. You were, you were still saying, you know, they meticulously, I guess, you know, follow up on all of the incidents that happen. You know, you might chip a nail at work and that's something that they'll flag. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they've got many different things like your go-see thing do and all of those kinds of problem solving tools to actually find out how to prevent, you know, those kind of safety issues uh, from, mm. you know, recurring. Um a seismic event, um, unfortunately, it's not something that you can, um, you know, with 100% certainty to say you can solve or, or prevent. Uh, but unfortunately, it, it has come down, you know, to, to, to what we think. And obviously, that sends an announcement from Harmony Gold is basically, um, in a way, sending condolences to, to his family, saying that, you know, they will receive the necessary counseling and support. Um, mm. And obviously, and all the benevolence that they could get from the company. This is so. I'll tell you, back in 2015, 2014, uh, this was one of the companies that has celebrated more than 3,000 days of no safety injury. So I wonder, you know, what record uh, this sure. is breaking because uh, they've been very, very safe, and, and not just them, but most of the the mining companies here in South Africa. Mm, mm, mm. But I guess you can't avoid, I mean, you know, we often talk about how deep some of our gold deposits are, you know, kilometers and kilometers into the ground. And when you start going to those depths, you can't avoid some of these seismic events, you know, that lead, uh, I guess, to to people being trapped underground and uh, to some of the deaths that we've seen here. Correct. I mean, the risk increases, like you're saying, the deeper you go down the ground and the outcomes become more 
uh, binary. You know, you don't have you know control of you know what happens uh, down under in the mines. And if you look at mining, uh, like I always criticize, you know, the the mining technology in South Africa, we are no nowhere in comparison to other you know places or other miners that are outside of the country. So we still have a long way to go in automation or making uh, our processes a little bit more seamless and mm-hmm. and less, uh, you know, um, needing of manpower, essentially. Yeah, and uh, sincere condolences here on Metro FM talk to the family of the deceased of course the company didn't release the the name of uh, the deceased um, uh, but we certainly i guess uh, send our commiserations to uh, the family of the deceased there uh, at harmony gold's valcom operations there at the target mine now let's shift our attention to the aviation sector it seems the safety regulators a bit unsettled here i mean we, we've had 14 uh, incidents, um, I guess, or accidents, um, just in January alone, and I think the last time we we saw something similar was around October 2008, where there were about 20 incidents in the aviation sector. Um, should we be worried here? Yo, I, I don't know because I mean we've had 14 accidents, uh, or 14 accidents have been reported. We don't know how many we had exactly, and obviously four were fatal, and you know, taking about eight people's lives. Again, this is, you know, one of those black swan events, uh, considering the fact that, you know, the airline industry, I always say this even on your your show, that uh, they they have the lowest fatality rate, especially based to error or due to error. So I Mm. wonder what's going on up there. And I mean, I saw one of the memes going around even before these accidents were actually reported, saying that, uh, you know, pilots have actually forgotten how to fly a plane. And obviously... You know, they have those cues that they say at the beginning, at the end, or in the middle of, you know, your flight. They even forgotten their lines. So that's how long they haven't been flying due to the pandemic. And I guess maybe they do need to go to those refresher courses to save their own lives and obviously and uh, the flyers' lives as well. Because, I mean, I don't know, there's nothing safer than flying. So if flying is becoming a little bit more dangerous, you know, it'd be... Uh, unfortunate uh, for for, mm. for for aviation as a whole, and obviously yeah. for the progression of humanity, because uh, flying is the fastest way to get from mm. point A to point B. I guess you know, uh, bright. There's there's two elements to this. So on the one hand, there's I guess a grouping of people who are saying you know these guys are overreacting, uh, spreading unnecessary panic. Uh, you can't really I guess make um, a big case on the back of just one month's data. Uh, but on the other end, there there might be some people who are suggesting that look especially on the commercial side of things, the, the lack of flight, uh, you know, flight time uh, during the hard lockdown sometime last year, you know, made Correct. people a bit rusty, um, as you're suggesting, I guess, refresher courses, but made people a bit more complacent when it comes to, you know, compliance requirements. I mean, just, you know, there's so many tick boxes one has to check in this particular sector from a safety perspective um, that uh, it seems, I guess, the suggestion here from the association is that, you know, don't slack just because things are opening up now. Like I said, um, th- these these industries tend to actually follow global safety standards, so they're mm. not in any way complacent. I can promise you that. And I mean, they, I don't know any pilot who's willing to give up their flying license because they sure. make a ton sure. of money from this. Okay, so it, again, it might be just one of those black swan events that I'm referring to. Um, but but well, t- you know, t- t- make a. a a mountain out of a molehill here mm. and, and just trust on our people to actually get us from point A to point B. Mm.
Tindu and I'm not a spokesperson for, uh, you know, the Aviation Society of South Africa. Yeah, yeah. You sound, you sound like a spokesperson of the Pilots Association. But, but <laughs> I was not, just asking you, I mean, you were saying... You were saying it's, it's, it's a black swan event. What's happening? Sometimes these events happen back to back and it's it, it's something out of, you know, our control totally. Uh, mm. You can say that's lawyer. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I get if, if so, lawyer by the aviation courts. Certainly not the kind of story, I guess, uh, you want to hear if you're going to be undertaking any air travel uh, anytime soon. Uh, Bulaza, I want us to, to take a look now, I guess, uh, you know, uh, before we let you go, at uh, the story that's unfolding here at the Public Broadcaster. Now, you would have seen the letter from the Minister of uh, Communications and Digital Technologies, Stella Ndabini Abrahams, uh, sent to the chair of the board of the SABC, uh, Makatini, Bong Musa Makatini. Um, and it seems now the SABC coming back and saying, look, we back your proposal that uh, many of the redundant workers, you know, might be absorbed in other government departments. You might take them in your department. Uh, what do you make of this back and forth? And I guess in the context of, you know, the, the decisions from the courts about this, one, some people might be saying, just let the SAPC carry on with their 189 process. Sure. This is a very hard one. Uh, you've got a, you know, a national broadcaster that's uh, not growing as fast as it's competition. Um, you know, the likes of Showmax are, are dealing also with the competition from Netflix alone, uh, which is, you know, has, as you know, has, has basically moved a lot of attention from our national broadcaster uh, to actually these, you know, uh, watching hours moving on to these streaming uh, platforms. And obviously, not being able to, you know, react fast enough into competition, uh, it's, it's slowly losing its customer base, right? And as a result, obviously, uh, you know, you will see that the, the employee complement uh, will also reduce to match that. And obviously, uh, here the issue is that um, it's a national broadcaster, it's not a private broadcaster, so the process mm. of actually reducing, uh, you know, those jobs it has not been easy, um, especially also when you have people who have, you know, big egos uh, in, in, in those seats, uh, the process becomes even harder. And you throw in a bit of unions there, um, it's a total mess. And this is exactly what we're finding out here. It's no longer about the people. It's about the individuals, uh, you know, that are at the position of power. And mm. I don't know how this is going to end, but hopefully, I guess, uh, you know, the people win in the end. But I don't see it yeah. happening, unfortunately. Yeah. Look, I mean, I think for me, Mbulazi, in principle, especially when it comes to, to entities like the SABC, public service mandate, um, I, I always argue that, you know, you want to approach that from the perspective of reskilling, retooling, re-equipping people with, with the skills. Redeployment, yes. Yeah, not just inside of the SABC. I mean, a lot of technical outside, skills that people yeah. can be able to use both inside and outside of the SABC um, in a shifting digital environment. But, but there's another layer to this. A lot of the activities, in my view, that I think should have happened at the SABC over the last decade haven't happened. Um, and as a result, a lot of those things haven't happened because we haven't made certain advances. We haven't done the migration from, you know, analog to digital. We haven't done, you know, all of the things we should have done to be able to clear up the telecommunications and the network technology space to do the Netflix, Showmax type things that you're talking about. Um, and, I, and I don't know how much of the responsibility of what we're finding at this moment uh, should sit, um, I guess, you know, at the door of, many a Department of Communications over the last decade or so. 
Correct. And mind you, this is a, a highly regulated environment. So, and the government obviously makes those regulations. So you can say they had a, a one-up on every other competitor, right? So they should have known how to navigate around those laws and become a little bit more uh, innovative. But instead, they'll be very, you know, complacent. And this is the outcome we have to deal with because of that complacency. Instead of actually fixing and trying to fight, uh, you know, on the innovation front, they're still imposing mm-hmm. even more, uh, you know, uh, regulation on the, on the competitors that are actually doing well. Like forcing me to, you know, pay a TV license on my cell phone. I don't see that making any sense. <laughs> ah, but that one didn't happen, Bulas, to be fair. <laughs> To be fair, come on, it was a proposal. Like, it was a proposal. People are. But it was a proposal. Come on. <laughs> no, man, that's a wrong proposal. Yeah. I think you should propose, no, for sure, you know, for sure, for sure. you know, focusing more on content development and obviously, mm. you know, letting young talent shine in terms sure. of creating new shows, acting, etc., etc. Mm. And obviously in the radio space, going into more podcasting, which you guys have done very well. I think sure, the radio side sure. is not as bad as, you know, the the content side in terms of television mm. so but it's it's hard going forward it's going yeah, to be very hard yeah. to get that turnaround happening and i guess the, the other story i mean bulaz is that you know this this industry the world over is changing um and there might be you know a role for the sabc in the future as an aggregator of content that people create and they use the broadcast platform as a space where they put that together uh, I think the days of being vertically integrated, you know, where you go and you take out big budgets to commission your own content, you flight it on your own platform, you collect your own advertising, um, is probably something that that is uh, going to be shifted um, in a very significant ways. And maybe, you know, these processes are the start of that process. Um, I mean, if you think about, you know, a DSTV, for instance, as a platform, um, a considerable amount of their revenue doesn't come from them commissioning their own work and then claiming the advertising. It comes from placing people on the platform exactly and effectively then dealing with the billing part uh, when it comes to the end user and maybe that's that that might be something that the sapc wants to consider um not necessarily the billing part but really aggregating the content of different players um, and then being the transmission mechanism for that yes i mean the opportunity is still there i mean it's still it's still not the end of the days this is not the end game this this still in the process Mm. and we still have many 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 content providers like for example hulu uh, which are not available in South Africa. Maybe these are the guys that um, the SABC should be approaching and saying, "Look, we'll we'll view your we'll play we'll play your content on our uh, studios, and obviously for for a, for a cut for a fee, and see how it works out. Do short term contracts, just mm. you know, tinker, find until you find something that works out for you too. Just do something. Mm. Sitting down mm. sometimes is not a good thing." Yeah, yeah. And you know, I mean, the SAPC is an advertiser's dream because, you know, they reach where other people can't reach. I mean, exactly. it gets to, you know, uh, Kuruman or Kakamas and all of these other places. Um, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's a public broadcast. And I think, um, you know, from an advertiser perspective, that's still going to be a massive revenue point. But uh, I think the, the old model of thinking you're going to collect, you know, TV licenses from Bright who only uses a tablet or only uses a smart TV, I think is is probably not the way to go. But Mulaz, just, you know, on your end, maybe some comments, you know, on, on, on what where you see the content space going and some of the early opportunities. You've already started to touch on that. Look, I think the good news for the SABC is that they have the eyeballs and that's a good problem to have. So mm. what you do with the eyeballs 
is all in their courts. And obviously, hopefully, that you know, going forward, they play the game the way it's supposed to be played, and they focus on the you know the right things. That will ensure growth in revenues, uh, more hiring, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, instead of actually the infighting that we're seeing happen right now. Mm-hmm. In terms of the content space. I mean, we're looking at the likes of um, Spotify, for example, who's got over 300 million, uh, you know, eyeballs or ears. Uh, on the other hand, you've got, uh, sorry, um, Netflix, which has got uh, also over 100 million, which is amazing. So and, uh, over 200 million, which is also amazing. And obviously, this is where you want to see yourself and just look at what they're doing right and see what you can copy and, and just, you know, come back to that arms race. Mm, mm, mm. Bulaz, we'll have to leave it there, my brother. It's always a pleasure catching up with you. Um, Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, until next week, man. That there was Bright Kumalo from Vestact Asset Management uh, joining us uh, this 